Jesus, I think, just throws out the window the respectability politics that we've gotten really used to playing, which is, do they deserve it? Are they deserving? And that's not the question. The question is, were they made in the image of God? And it's always, yes, they were. And so then how can I, like Lori was saying earlier, how can I come alongside you in your situation and walk with you in that? You're listening to the Upside Down Podcast. A place for unscripted conversations on life and faith. Join us as we discuss what it looks like when Jesus turns our lives upside down. Hey guys, it's Christy, and before we dive into this episode, I want to give a shout out to our Upside Down tribe. We hear your comments and your feedback, and we're super, super grateful. Mm -hmm. We couldn't record without you, and we're also grateful for like-minded companies we're partnering with so we can, you know, pay to host the podcast. (laughs) Yeah, it's important to us to honor our listeners and only partner with like-minded sponsors that fit our audience and provide goods or services that we actually believe in. We're all moms of young kids, and so we're spinning a lot of plates, and our sponsors help us pay the podcast bills. Mm -hmm. Yes, and we're super excited to share a service with you that my family has been using for quite a while, and that is Jelly Telly. So we... I had heard of Jelly Telly and we started trying it last summer. We went on vacation and I knew that there were going to be brief times when I needed my kids to rest and I didn't want to just hand them the iPad with anything on it. So we downloaded the Jelly Telly app. We did the free trial week. It lined up perfectly with our vacation and they loved it. Mm. Yeah. And I love that Jelly Telly is the only streaming video app that's Christ-centered and it's designed for kids. And I I have the app on my phone, but you can also download it on Google Play, Roku, and supported Kindle devices. And some of their most popular shows are Veggie Tales, Allegories, What's in the Bible, Hillsong Kids. And my personal favorite is the Jesus Storybook Bible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my kids are four through nine, and I love that we can instantly stream over 300 hours of kid-friendly videos and movies that are about God, the Bible, and faith. Is that basically mm-hmm. homeschool, yeah. Lindsay? I'm just kidding. <laughs> if you want right. to learn more, head to www.upsidedownpodcast.com slash sponsors. You can take a look around jellytelly.com as well and use the special coupon code upside down, no hyphen, which is just for upside down listeners to get a, ten, a super cute 10 page Jesus coloring book download. And like I said, you get your first week of Jelly Telly free. Mm. Okay, so here's what you do. Go pop some popcorn, and if you have kids, let them take a little screen break while you (laughs) listen to this freshly made episode of Upside Down Podcast. And if you don't have kids, I'm taking babysitting applications. (laughs) This is Kayla. So uh, we have some movies you can stream. (laughs) Enjoy. (laughs) For listening to Upside Down, I'm Kayla Craig, and I will be your host for this episode. Before we begin, we just want to thank you for all of the ways you let us know what you think about the podcast, and we are really excited to have you along for the ride, and we're grateful for your very kind reviews on iTunes. Mm -hmm. As you know, because we talk about it all the time, those reviews help others find our little podcast, and we have loved reading your reviews, and we have a couple that we want to just read on air and shout you guys out. Yeah, it's funny. I hadn't looked at them in a while, and then I just looked at them before this episode, and they're like triple what they were before. I don't know. Oh, that's fun. Kind of cool. Yeah. So the first one is from Karina287, 
And it says, I'm so happy I stumbled on this podcast. It's encouraging and feels like I'm in the room talking with girlfriends. I also love that they are of multiple denominations and can still find common ground, talk about big issues, and even find beauty in each other's differences. In today's world, it seems like we always point out the differences instead of the similarities, or at least if we point out the differences, we always seem to think they're bad instead of unique and beautiful. So thanks. Mm, that's a great one. Yeah. yeah. That's that's encouraging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I have one by Althea Miller, and she said, I really enjoy listening to you all share how you pursue lives that reflect Jesus in all circumstances. Thanks for challenging me to pursue justice, love, mercy, and walk humbly with my God. Yeah. That's great. Thank you, guys. So now that we are kind of solidly in the new year, we have been reflecting on the first year of Upside Down, and I would love to know, my lovely co-host, what episode has stuck out to you guys? From reading the reviews on iTunes, it kind of looked like the hashtag blessed episode struck a chord. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, but what, what about you guys? Christy, what was your favorite? Um, Mine actually was the hashtag blessed one. And I think, I mean, I like them all, but I feel like, you know, even just thinking through how we've kind of come together as a group, that one to me feels like the one where it sort of started to take hold for us in a different way. Like, I don't know. And maybe that was just like when I started to kind of get a little more fire in my belly. Yeah. That's the one that kind of pops out to me from, I guess, kind of early on last year mm-hmm. 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 this is shannon my favorite i think has been loneliness mm-hmm. um and i yeah. think i've told you guys but i i didn't it was not one that i was most excited about uh-huh. doing like when <laughs> yeah. we were when we were talking about it and preparing for it but then like as we were talking i felt like it ended up being a really good discussion mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. um and i was really happy to see that it seemed to resonate with people mm-hmm. um and think that's one of the greatest things about social media it can never replace real life relationships mm-hmm. but it, it does fill that void when we're in those seasons of loneliness and mm-hmm. can really um kind of reach across the earth and link arms with other people mm-hmm. so that was pretty cool yeah, yeah I think yeah. that one was good like part of the cool thing about that one is that we talked about things we didn't expect to talk about like it was right mm-hmm. an unscripted kind of more than even we thought it was going to be. And yeah, I really liked it. Took, it took some turns and it was like, oh, yeah. we're going there. But it was good. Yeah. It was hard, but it was good. Yeah. yeah. That was also my favorite. This is Lori. But I think as we were, I, I was kind of, kind of coming out of a loneliness period in, or a lonely period in my life. And as we were talking, I realized there were some, there was still some wounds in my life. Mm-hmm. where I felt super lonely mm-hmm. and that despite all the people that I was you know, kind of surrounded by and our church was growing, I, I just felt this deep seated loneliness mm-hmm. and it came out in that episode. And I've thought about that so many more times. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been li- listening for that theme, you know, as I read other books or listen to other podcasts and that theme comes out quite a lot in people's mm-hmm. lives mm-hmm. as a period in their life where they can always go back to and say, like, that was the, that was a period in my life where I was really close to the Lord mm-hmm. and he was really doing some things yeah. in my life. And I, I can say the same thing. So I love that episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was so good. What about you, Lindsay? My favorite was definitely the interview we did with Tyler Burns. Mm-hmm. Um, just a, I think really important conversation mm-hmm. for everybody but for white parents in Mm -hmm. particular so it was really like just an honor to be able to share that Mm -hmm. message with as many 
people as possible. And mm-hmm. I'm just a huge fan of what Tyler and Jamar are doing over mm-hmm. at the RAN Network with Pass the Mic and their blog. And so that was a fun one. Yeah. 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 I feel yeah. Like that one was kind of like, I feel like we got to see you and Tyler kind of in your element as bridge people, which <laughs> is, is a good one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is Kayla and... I mean, I I feel like I have to say the interview <laughs> with Dr. Perkins, mm-hmm. but it, I, sure. it was good for so many reasons, but it was very humbling for me. And that was the interview that I actually got to do in person and to just be sitting with someone who has lived such an amazing upside down life. It mm-hmm. is really like, okay. I need to learn from this person. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. So that, that was definitely my favorite, but second, um, was probably the loneliness just because it's the episode I've thought about the most post recording mm-hmm. and yes. still, still some of those conversations, like Lori was saying, it still kind of trickles back and, and cause we all go through periods of loneliness and then it falls away and then it comes mm-hmm. back, you know, it's kind yeah. of this continual thing. So, yeah. So if you guys haven't, um, had a chance to listen to those, go ahead and, listen back on those and let us know what you think. Cause mm-hmm. we're, we're always on the interwebs and are always around. So don't, don't feel afraid to, to reach mm-hmm. out. Cause we really want to know what you guys think and what you have to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're about to dive in to an episode that we have been thinking about for a while. Mm-hmm. Right guys. We've been mulling over this topic and it seems especially timely in kind of the world that we're finding ourselves in. And what we're going to be talking about is a comprehensive ethic of life. Mm-hmm. So in this episode today, we're going to be asking how to be comprehensively, collectively and compassionately kingdom-minded from, as Shannon says, from womb to tomb, because (laughs) all humans were made in the image of God, and Mm -hmm. all people are loved deeply and pursued by the creator of all things. Mm -hmm. So what we're going to talk about in this episode is how do we care for the unborn and the refugee? Mm -hmm. How do we care for the hungry child and the criminal? the uninsured mm-hmm. and the homeless, the one who doesn't look like me and the one who doesn't believe like me. Mm-hmm. So how do we live an upside down kingdom life that supports life in all facets of our very messy world? Mm-hmm. And so before we dive into this, we know this can be a loaded topic with a lot of loaded keywords that bring a lot of feelings. Mm-hmm. So as we discuss what can be very sensitive topics, we just want to be an example of friends gathering around the table to talk about life through a kingdom lens. Mm-hmm. And this isn't a conversation about politics or about us versus them, but about God's kingdom. Mm-hmm. And as right. always, these honest con- conversations are unscripted and we're coming to the table with a lot of prayer and we, we pray before every episode and mm-hmm. Chrissy just led us through prayer before we're recording now. And we're just praying that through our own brokenness, we'll somehow help you guys, the listeners, start conversations in your own context. Mm-hmm. And we're just asking for your grace and for ears to hear our heart and what we believe to be God's heart as we dive in mm-hmm. to this big topic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So is there anything you guys want to add before we jump in? No. I think you covered it. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> great. 
too, yeah. So as we dive into this kind of comprehensive view of life and ethic as kingdom dwellers, there's kind of these terms, pro-life, pro-choice, like pro-abortion, anti-abortion, all of these kind of phrases get thrown into the air and it kind of seems like we're picking up the pieces. So as you are now, how have your views kind of changed on what those words mean? Mm-hmm. I, okay, this is Christy. I probably have not even had any sort of qualm about identifying as pro-life. And I still really don't, but it has. it wasn't until maybe the last few years that I started to see the limitations of what is like a general or like a cultural pro-life movement. So mm-hmm. I don't know that my, when it comes to actually like what culturally we would call pro-life, I haven't moved, but what I have become to understand is that, I don't know if historically is quite the right word, but just the assist that the association of someone who is pro-life is generally not thinking about programs or, or I guess the stereotype is that they're not thinking about programs that are going to serve the underserved other mm-hmm. than the baby in the womb. Mm-hmm. And so, so I think for me, like what I, the challenge that I have is sort of number one, being willing to admit that maybe there's some truth to that. And then number two, being frustrated by the fact that like we are reduced to these kind of labels. And then number three, like how do I make sure that I'm protecting both those who are in the womb and those who are outside of the room, the womb. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think if I'm being honest, I probably hold some of those thoughts about the pro-life mm-hmm. movement in particular in that it's, it oftentimes from somebody, I mean, I've, from somebody who's viewing it, you know, Mm -hmm. um, it oftentimes feels very narrow Mm -hmm. in the sense that, you know, we're going to protest abortions. We're going to ban Planned Parenthood. We're going to do all or defund Planned Parenthood. We're going to do all these things. But then those same voices, I don't see them speaking up for uh, mass incarceration Mm -hmm. or other issues that are also affecting the lives of image bearers. Mm -hmm. So I think Mm -hmm. if I'm really honest, I, I kind of hold some of those thoughts about the narrowness Mm -hmm. of the the more the movement you Mm -hmm. know and and kind of the label Mm -hmm. yeah right Lindsay that's such a such an important point because not only does it the thing things like mass incarceration and you know the level of minimum wage or paid maternity Mm -hmm. leave and and so many of these you know government assistance programs or or all of these social issues really do actually affect abortion. And of course, there are plenty of people who choose abortion, not because of their financial circumstances or whatever, but for, for, you know, their own reasons. But, you know, we're foolish to deny that that's a huge part of it. And so I absolutely agree with you. And I think I do have some of that kind of that mentality of, of feeling frustrated, maybe with some of the some of the Christian world, how vocal we can be about abortion. And even though I, I personally, you know, would love to see abortion not need to exist and, and I'm not, right. I'm not for it at all. I'm for life. But at the same time, I can feel frustrated that it doesn't seem like people are, are really making the correlation 
to Mm -hmm. all of these other issues that really need to come first in a way. And I know some people are going to disagree with that, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, but, but in my opinion, even if abortion is made illegal, they're still going to happen as long as these other things are happening. Mm -hmm. And as long as people feel desperate and, and overlooked and completely disadvantaged. Um, So, and I think, I think it is interesting to see some of the other countries that have a little bit more healthy um, social structures and to see Mm -hmm. their abortion rates are a lot lower than ours, Mm -hmm. um, even though it might be legal. So I don't know, there's a lot to it, but right. I was helping to like do a test pilot of a program at one of our high schools here in Rocky Mount. And um, it was last year. It was for like a, a like brand new moms or expectant moms in the high school level. And it was only like six or eight weeks long. And the whole time it took you know, like four weeks for the for the girls to like open up and, and chat mm-hmm. and begin to share things. And then it was over at eight weeks. And mm. it, I had this feeling of, okay, what's next? Yeah. And we're at, we're, you know, we're bowing down to the school. And so we cannot, we can't know where the kids live. We can't have any contact after, mm-hmm. you know, we can't, we don't know if they've had the baby, you know, how are things oh, progressing wow. after the baby is born? Mm-hmm. And I remember feeling this huge disconnect. Like this is, it doesn't stop here. Right. Just because we had an eight weeks of talking about parenting things and talking about heart issues, there's like years more right. help that needs to go on. And, um, I went to a Little Caesars recently and one of the moms was working and it was, Mm. I saw her and it was just such a God thing because I thought, I wondered what happened, you know? Yeah. She'd had a baby and um, I just think there's just so much that happens after the baby is born. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, like Shannon says, from womb to tomb, like there's so much that, that as believers we get to be a part of and walk with people through, because I think all of life is about coming alongside mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and walking with people through mm-hmm. over time for the long haul. Mm-hmm. It's not just we're not helping them overcome an event or see right. through an event. It's helping them learn to navigate life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the difference between being pro birth and pro life. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So like you can be pro birth, but then like you're saying, if you're not there to walk alongside someone for the actual life part, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, we I, we just can't call that a win, you right. know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think this that's is a Kayla. Oh, oh, sorry. oh, go ahead, Shannon. No, 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 it's okay. Oh, I was just gonna say for me. So I, as I talked about in my personal interview, I went to. Uh, secular liberal arts college and one of the classes I took was reproductive law and politics and at the beginning of the class the professor had everyone just kind of write on a piece of paper what we identified with like pro-life pro-choice and just like a really brief version of why and just Mm -hmm. like turn it in anonymously just so she could kind of get a feel of the class and what our perspectives were kind of what we were bringing in with us and I was Hmm. so proud to say pro-life mm-hmm. and I realized I didn't really know what that meant except that I knew that I stood against abortion and and I still don't believe in abortion but that class really opened my my worldview into how many things I was not understanding mm-hmm. and I think it it allowed me to be so much more empathetic and compassionate have, have any of you seen Cider House Rules yes I saw it so oh my ago. word it, do you remember? I it is, it totally shattered me. I mean, it just it talks about abortion in a way that I didn't. I had never met 
to my knowledge, anyone who had experienced that, anyone who had had the the life circumstances where that would be something that they would consider. I just, I was very sheltered mm-hmm. and to, to see and to hear somebody's story, you know, even in a fictional setting, it just brought me a lot more compassion and empathy for, for something that I really didn't understand the layers of. And now mm-hmm. as an adult, I I'm starting to see that to be pro-life is to be pro every life in every mm-hmm. stage of life. Mm-hmm. And, that, mm-hmm. and that really is a very broad thing. And, and I think it's an important thing to note that I always try to go back to scripture for this. You know, this isn't something where I'm just trying to like bend to, to cultures mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. bend to one political leaning or the other. But I really feel like, like, what did Jesus say? Like, what did, what does scripture say about the refugee, the immigrant? Like, what does mm-hmm. Jesus say about the hungry or the unborn, or any of these things, like, we do have, we do have a lot of access to that. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty clear. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. He doesn't mince words on these topics, you know. Right. Right. So Um, this is Shannon. And when you're talking about kind of that class in, in college, and that movie really changed your perspective, or gave you a more holistic understanding of the term pro-life. For me, I think that probably really took shape when my husband and I were looking into becoming Catholic and we were reading, we didn't read the whole thing because it's pretty, pretty dense, but the compendium of the social doctrine of the church. And it came out in 2004 and it's like a council put it together. And it's basically sort of covers Catholic social teaching, I guess you would say. And so a lot of these things have been written before um, about about different issues, but this kind of compiles them in like a, a way that sort of, yeah, I guess looks at it more holistically. So using that and then also using just different resources in the Catholic Church, it, it, I was really impressed by how established like the understanding of pro-life being all life. And you guys keep attributing the mm-hmm. womb to tomb phrase to me, but I took that <laughs> totally from other Catholics. It was not my creative, <laughs> creative idea. But yeah, I love that. So so we're notoriously in opposition to the death penalty and to euthanasia mm-hmm. and to torture. And obviously abortion, it's the one that you hear Catholics talk about the most, it seems like, but it's also, mm-hmm. and even I think faithful Catholics really cannot dispute that that our teachings say we are to we are to be for the immigrant and the refugee and and I do see that a lot like in my social media feeds or whatever I do see other Catholics posting about that a lot yeah so I think that was really refreshing to me and I do think um, I love my Protestant brothers and sisters but I do think that's something that I wish hadn't been lost mm-hmm. because I think it's so beautiful to have it compiled and to like be held up and say, as a people, this is what we believe, mm-hmm. you know, and it, and it is sort of this comprehensive ethic mm-hmm. that I, I didn't really have access to for most of my life. Mm-hmm. Right. Do you feel like that helps kind of get people on the same page? Because it does feel like, you know, we had the, the women's march and then was it like two days later, there was the March for Life. And my Twitter a feed, later. Yeah. a week later, okay. Yeah. But my Twitter feed was just like people were going nuts attacking each other. Right. And you think, oh, these people all believe the same thing. 
it just I'm guess I'm wondering does having that document or just kind of that statement saying this is what we believe and it's comprehensive it's not just this one issue do you feel like within Catholics that kind of helps unite people and there's less like infighting or for lack of a better word I do feel like it helps I mean I still had Catholic friends who were kind of annoyed with the women's march but most of them most of them were supportive of it I think I think as a general, I would say that, yes, I do see a lot more unity because it really, there are things that you can't dispute. Like, mm-hmm. like if, if a Catholic wanted to say like, oh, I agree that like all, like all refugees should be banned. Like we shouldn't take any more refugees. Well, that's mm-hmm. like clearly against okay. the teaching of the Catholic church. And so, I mean, people are entitled yeah. to that opinion, but you can say, sure. actually that's, you know, that's not really faithful to our teaching. Maybe you should mm-hmm. take another look at that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have found that it helps unity. Yeah. And people still disagree on like the methods, you know, mm-hmm. sure. um, the legislation, but I think it's harder to really dispute the nitty gritty of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yet the funny thing is, as we're talking about this and just thinking about the question that Lindsay just asked Shannon about, do you think that the book, like your, your compiled thoughts or your belief system, you know, does this help? And I just sat here and thought, we all have the same Bible. Like we all have the same standard. (laughs) Uh, We all all look at it and read it through Uh our own lens Mm -hmm. and interpret it with our through our own lens. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And one of the ask professors in college used to I mean seminary used to always say, you know, you can't you can't trust any anybody with the Bible by themselves in the backseat of the car, you know, because (laughs) (laughs) left to ourselves apart from a community, we're gonna have one thought about the Bible and we're going to mm-hmm. interpret it that way but mm-hmm. it's in the, it's in community that we get to talk it talk it out and flesh it out and live it out and and push into one another but I think that's really unique Shannon mm-hmm. so I have a question this is Christy Kayla you mentioned that being in that class and the movie Cider House Rules really helped you grow in empathy and that kind of changed your understanding and your approach and Lindsay I'm assuming that that's kind of behind some of what you're saying. Like you have a high level of empathy for those who are traditionally at least stereotypically left out of the pro like pro life side. Mm So I'm curious to hear a little bit more about that because I do think that empathy is the key. Like if you can start putting yourself Mm -hmm. in the shoes of someone and I do think it's a false dichotomy, like pro-life, pro-choice, whatever. It's it's mm-hmm. a false dichotomy, and I think that is kind of the upside-down thing that we have to do is undo that false dichotomy. So, mm-hmm. I'm, But this question is sort of in line with that. Like how – what does it look like for you to gain empathy, and how has that changed your perspective on what it means to maybe disengage from these labels and, like, find mm-hmm. that third way? Mm-hmm. I think for me, it's it's like actually entering into relationships with people who are yeah. typically kind of put outside of these labels or they're the ones that we put in the narrow like, well, if you just don't have an abortion, you mm-hmm. know, then mm-hmm. we can check you off our statistics or whatever. So I think actually being in relationship with people whose lives are not valued and this is a bold statement and it's my personal view, but with our current administration, the only lives that are valued are typically developing white men. Mm -hmm. So if you're not a typically developing white male, your life is 
potentially at risk right now and you're mm-hmm. not valued or a white woman you're... who's a 10 right okay so those people too. <laughs> so i mean there's people who are more at risk right like i would say yeah my neighbors who are african-american are more at risk than I am as a white woman. But so there's, you know, we're entering into this new kind of strange, and it's always been to a certain extent, but I think just being in a relationship with people who are marginalized, who have so little choice about a whole lot of things in life that at the end of the day, the choice for life doesn't even feel like a choice anymore. Um, Yeah. So I think it's, it's, it's always relational. Jesus was relational, right? So he came and he lived among us. And I think it's really interesting when we think about just respectability politics. And mm-hmm. this might be a bit of a rabbit trail, but whenever a black man is shot by the police, the first thing that we see in the media is his police record, right? His history. Mm-hmm. What did he do to deserve this? As opposed to thinking about Jesus who aligned himself with the criminal, with the prostitute, with the poor, and not just that black man who got shot may have been none of those things. Mm -hmm. But that at that moment is not important. What's important is he was made in the image of God. And so Jesus, I think, just throws out the window the respectability politics that we've gotten really used to playing, which is do they deserve it? Are they Mm -hmm. deserving and that's yeah. not the question. The question is, right. were they made in the image of God? And it's always, yes, they were. Yeah. And so then yeah. how can I, like Lori was saying earlier, how can I come alongside you in your situation and walk with you in that? Because mm-hmm. the coming alongside is what develops empathy. Mm-hmm. It is the right. thing that you do to make space for the Holy Spirit to do a work in your life and change your heart about the matter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, the, this is just like a little fun fact. So the Greek, <laughs> this is actually really embarrassing that I'm about to say Give this. us a Greek, Christy. Because Greek. every time you guys say resident theologian, I roll my eyes and I'm like, don't put that evil on me. Um, <laughs> anyway, so. But here you come with your Greek. Here I go. So the Greek <laughs> word for, so in, I forget what book it's in, but the phrase, the, or the word parakaleo means like to come alongside and cheer. Like in a race, you know, like the people on the side who are like cheering you on at the end. And scripture says that Jesus does that for us. And so then like when we do that with other people, like what you're talking about, Lori, we are imitating what Jesus does for us, which is, I mean, I I know that's kind of obvious, but it just connecting that back to scripture, I should find the reference, Mm -hmm. but we can put that Mm -hmm. in the notes. But that word, there's also a church planting wives ministry that's called Paracaleo. That's why I know that. Um, it's a really beautiful picture. <laughs> yeah. Mm. So this is Kayla, and I have a question. So we've kind of talked about fostering empathy and, you know, from people that are not like us. That how do we stop vilifying those who th- see things mm. differently? Yeah. That's hard. Yeah. This is Lori, but for me, I mean, I remember who I used to be just even five years ago and, and, and my thoughts about things like pro-life and pro-choice and the poor and the marginalized and all the things that I used to, to hold as a standard for belief. And I, I have to remember that the people that I'm often vilifying are just ascribing to the same things I knew five years ago, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that 
that has really helped. And, and honestly, walking with my neighbors and, and God developing that empathy within me for my neighbors. And and he's developed that empathy because he's reminded me of who I am apart from him. And so I think the whole process of all of it is the thing that, that we can use to help us to find common ground. And remember that we all are human beings like headed in the same direction. And we were just at all different places. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes we hear these, these buzzwords or these code words and then depending on where we're at, we put up walls. Like if, if somebody says something mm-hmm. that we don't agree with or is like a red flag for us, it's like we start shutting down mm-hmm. and yeah. we start going into those, but, those what but this or but this and then Mm -hmm. and then we start getting more and more divisive and we're not able to find that common ground and that's what is so hard so it's like what do you guys have anything that you have have done or in conversations you've had for someone who has a different perspective than you that has helped Mm -hmm. you know you guys listen to each other and and hear Mm -hmm. each other I think one thing that has helped me is to in, in my listening or reading, depending on what the avenue is, this is Shannon, asking myself, what is their fear? What are they afraid of? And yeah. who, who are they caring about? Who are they trying uh, to defend? Mm-hmm. Because I think that, that most people, our hearts are mostly in the right place, you know, like, but we're seeing things differently. But someone who is you know, trying to trying to push for for more abortion rights um, or for you know more reproductive rights or whatever that I might disagree with, it helps me to stop and say, you know, what is their fear? Their fear might be, you know, someone who is in a really terrible situation is going to be, you know, stuck for life with no help, with nobody mm-hmm. to help them, or with you know be raped and have, you know, have to have a baby or, you know, different things that people legitimately fear. Um, yeah. Who do they care about? Like they're, they, their hearts are, are usually really caring about women or really caring about the marginalized or the poor or the, the ones who don't have a choice. And yeah, it just helps me to kind of ask those questions that, that reminds me to look for the humanity when it's so easy for me to just look like to villainize them. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, just looking, looking for the humanity, asking the questions that, that draw out the good from them and, mm-hmm. and kind of going from there, I guess. Mm. Yeah. yeah. That's good too. Mm-hmm. Lindsay, you have, I I don't know what book it was from, but a couple episodes back, you talked about how before you can bring someone good news, you have to understand mm-hmm. their bad news. And I feel mm-hmm. like yeah. when, as I've thought through, well, first of all, I don't tend to, I can kind of end up being sort of like, even just in my own head, like kind of try to be a peacemaker. That doesn't that sometimes means that I'm not just not vocal about anything. Um, oh, but what man. I have felt it more in my context is like, I'm not sure that a lot of my local friends even know that I would identify as pro-life. And some of that I think is good because I don't necessarily want like, while I, I definitely am, like, I don't want that. I don't want to be not listened to be, from, by people who disagree with me because this is my conviction. Right. And I'm not trying, that's not a pity party at all. Like there are reasons, like I, I understand that like, there's been a history that has like caused this 
you know, separation, but whatever. But anyway, thinking through that, like, so what would drive someone to react this way? Like what circumstances would, Mm -hmm. what's the bad news here? Like what Mm -hmm. is this, you know, I have certain people who are sort of extremists that I am friends with from college or whatever that I watch, you know, the things that they're sharing and I'm like, okay, let me understand the bad news because um, (laughs) they're not gonna, and it really, it really has helped a lot. It, yeah, it's definitely helped me think through and then kind of flipping that over. Like what would, how would I react if that bad news was translated into bad news for me? Um, mm-hmm. so like as a middle-class white woman, like there's just not a lot of cultural bad news for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, but what if there were like, what if this bad news started to really impact my life and then how would I respond and how would I be, what good news would I need to hear? So the, the truth doesn't change, but the but understanding their reactions really and understanding the bad news. I think that's a really good way to put it It really helps Mm -hmm. understand how the good news applies. Mm -hmm. Christy, I really like what you're saying. Could you maybe give an example or just be a little bit more specific when you're talking about bad news and good news? Yeah. So, well, I mean, one kind of just really basic example is I remember talking to a friend of mine who was, kind of going through some of these thoughts when we were recent college graduates and we were talking about like caring for the, in in the case of abortion specifically, like caring for the mother versus caring only for the baby and all this kind of stuff. And, um, you know, we had a pretty good conversation about it. And then a few years later I got pregnant and I started realizing what it costs. It's, I mean, it was amazing, but what it costs to be pregnant and, you know, I was pregnant in a committed marriage. We desired to be pregnant. We were looking forward to this baby. We could afford this baby, mm-hmm. all of this kind of stuff. And so, I, you know, that kind of helped me understand, like, what if those things weren't true? So what if, mm-hmm. um, what if I had found, I mean, I, I understood the fear in a different way and it didn't, it doesn't change what I think about the value of right. the life in the womb, right. but it changes my understanding of the bad, of how that could be bad news. And Mm -hmm. that then changes the way that I respond. And that is really sort of how I started to think about bringing that pro-life idea into a holistic, not just pro-birth, but Mm pro-life. And I started to Mm -hmm. see like, oh, this is way too limited. Yeah. So does that answer your question, Shannon? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. That's great. I feel like instead of saying pro-life, we should say pro-image of God. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Pretty much covers it. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like one of the hardest parts for me personally and for a lot of people I know is that there is a sincere desire to support the women and the baby, but we don't always know how to support women. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. so it kind of becomes like, well, we just, you know, protest abortion because that's something that we can do or we can mm-hmm. cast our vote for it. Yeah. yeah. So what, I mean, what, what do you guys think about that? Are things that you can, that like, you know, someone who is just living in middle America or whatever, mm-hmm. small town Iowa, like me, but what, you know, what are some ways that we can be pro-life in the fullest sense of the word? Mm. That's such a good question. And I feel like we could take that in a lot of different directions. So yeah. this is Kayla and just from my stab at it. So what it, I was, I've been thinking like how, if somebody was looking at my life, would they see a comprehensive pro-life ethic, you know, or, mm-hmm. or am I just checking a box on the ballot? 
as pro-life and going about my day. And, and my, my prayer and my hope is that I do reflect God's kingdom and God's value of all life, you know, in our family. So not everyone is called to adopt, but there are a lot of people that came alongside us and helped us adopt our daughter, Eliza, who has Down syndrome. And the statistics for Down syndrome abortion are very high. And there were a lot of people that came alongside our family and supported us, you know, like with adoption fees and in, in, in a myriad ways supported our family. And those were things that people could do that maybe were not called to adoption, you know, maybe don't have right. Mm-hmm. the right stage of life to be doing that or for whatever reason, but they came alongside us. And that was just like maybe felt small to them, but was very big to us. And every time I look at my daughter, I think about the, it's like, I have this visual of this community behind her, Mm. just this, the church being the church and loving her. And, and I know that that's just one very small spoke on the wheel, you know, Mm -hmm. right. But that, that was just something that has touched me and, you know, and our adoption with Joseph as well, but specifically thinking about Eliza and how, you know, there's so many tests that we can prenatally take and I get emotional just thinking about if, if we didn't have Eliza in our life. So, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Thanks. I think one thing that I realized, this is Lori, but when we moved into our neighborhood five years ago and we had, you know, young moms having babies, my first inclination was give me your baby. You know, you don't, you don't don't want it. You can't afford it. It's a hassle. You complain about it all the time. Let me have the baby. Mm. Five years later, I'm like, the best thing for that baby is for me to come alongside the mom and help the mom Mm -hmm. have her baby and love that baby. And then, and then provide some kind of support, but that's, it's still a struggle. It is still Mm. a struggle every single day because I, there are times when I look across the street and I think, you're neglecting that baby, you know, mm-hmm, and, yeah. and it's hard. It's really yeah, hard that it's, yeah. it's not my baby. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and the best thing I can do is to pray for them and come alongside, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think kind of answer your question, Shannon, we can look at it in I think a couple of different ways, right? Like we can be reactive, which is, you know, kind of the adoption piece. Or we can be proactive, which is kind of what Lori's talking about in terms of she has a relationship beforehand, right? Right. So she knows this mom, and so she can help her with prenatal care. Or, I mean, there's a million different ways that you can walk alongside. But I just keep thinking about how none of it's easy, (laughs) you know? And and we, we follow a Savior who loved life so much that he died for it. And so if what we're doing to be pro-life and I use air quotes, but if what we're doing to be for life and to be about life isn't costing us something, mm-hmm. then I think we have to ask, is this, is this the abundant life that Jesus died mm-hmm. for Absolutely. for these women at the abortion clinic, for the refugees that are coming into our country, for the LGBT community? Like, is this the abundant life that Jesus wanted for them? And mm-hmm. if it's not costing us something, then, then maybe it's right. not, you know, mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. there's just so many people out there who don't believe that they are image bearers mm-hmm. and our society mm-hmm. needs to tell them that they're not image bearers, that they're not worth mm-hmm. 
the, the, the power of choice, you know, the ability to choose. And I'm not just talking about life and abortion, like the ability to choose a decent job, the ability to choose mm-hmm. to graduate from high school, you know, the ability to choose not to be molested as a child. Like there are so many things that so many people in our country don't get to choose. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And so if, yeah, if, if it's not costing us something, then I just don't know that it's really what Jesus meant when he said, you know, I've come that they could have life and have it in abundance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. That's a good word, Lindsay. I'm going to clap that one. That was a yeah, good I know. Yeah, Lindsay, I just, I echo what you said about like the proactive aspect of that, like everything that builds up before a pregnancy would even happen, you know, just mm-hmm. coming alongside people. And as, as Shannon said, seeing the humanity. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, if Christians would really be proactive about loving their neighbors and being mm-hmm. involved in like the public school system and being present in their communities and seeking to stand with the marginalized, we wouldn't, you know, in 25 years, if, if Christians were seriously serious about loving their neighbors as themselves, yeah. you would see our country transformed. You would not be worried about the abortion rate because you would have Christians involved in people's yeah. lives and it would change the course of everything. But we're like on the reactive, like mm-hmm. we react mm-hmm. after something like a calamities happen. Then we go into reaction mode and we help out and we put a bandaid on it mm-hmm. instead of coming alongside from the, from the front end and developing a relationship to change the trip, like the trajectory of someone's entire life. You know that yeah. because that's, that's harder. It's easier to do a bandaid. Yeah. It's much harder to do the other because mm-hmm. it, it costs your life. Literally. You go mm-hmm. to bed tired at night. Uh, it costs mm-hmm. you money. Yeah. Yeah, I have a friend um, who says, if you want to see Lazarus-sized miracles, you have to be near the tomb. Yep. And I think, like, Christians historically in our country have really stayed away from the tomb, right? Because it's smelly, and it's dirty, and it's gross, and it's dark, and it's messy. And so we don't get to see what Lori's talking about, which is the foster care system eradicated, and abortion mm-hmm. rates, you know, just completely disappear, and all of these things that are really like the kingdom coming on earth. We don't get to see that because... A lot of times we don't want to get dirty. Mm-hmm. Yep. it's yeah. a really good point. I have, um, I have a friend who is mentoring a young mom. She might have still been pregnant at the time. I'm not sure if the baby had been born yet or not. But she called um, a local mega church to, to ask for resources or support for, um, for this young woman that she was mentoring, if they had anything that they could offer her. And they sent her three pages of information about different places in the yep. area that she could mm. that she could get help in. And this is like a church with, you know, I mean, a Resources. coffee shop in it. A right. Like, <laughs> it, yeah, it's huge. And there's nothing wrong with those things. But, I mean, they clearly had the resources and mm-hmm. the manpower to have something established. And no one had thought to do it, you know. Right. Um, they outsourced. Yeah. Yes. Completely yeah. outsourced, yeah. like being the hands and feet of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and we I still say, want to do that. We want to legislate it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I will say. We want like, to elect it into office. Yeah. <laughs> right. But I also get riled up because a lot of times the people who are most vocal about it also like to complain about people being on Medicaid. And I don't really mm-hmm. understand mm-hmm. that either. Yeah. You know, One thing because that- if the church isn't doing it, the government has to do it. Right. Yeah. That's exactly right. 
One thing that I like, we're not a mega church for sure, but I will say that like philosophically, one thing that we've done as our church plant is kind of said like we we do not want to reinvent the wheel. We want to support mm-hmm. ministries that are already happening in our community. So like in that scenario, if someone did come to our church and say like I'm trying to, I've got this mom that I've been mentoring, blah blah blah. We probably wouldn't hand them a piece of paper, but we would say, we're working with this ministry. Like, we think this is the most effective way. So it may not, mm-hmm. I mean, who knows yeah. what was going on in that scenario. But I think that, like, there are several different ways to do it. But the the key is to be doing it, you know, like, what right, are, right. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, and that's we, very balanced, Christy. You're right. <laughs> well, we just, I, mean, I think like you said, I think, um, having a relationship with maybe one or two places, yeah. but I think it's pretty impersonal to send, yeah. like, I think it was even like emailed, you know, of, yeah. of just this list right. of other, right. other places. There, yeah. There's a huge difference in emailing back and saying, um, I'll go with you. Like, are you free on yeah. Tuesday? You know, which yeah. is right. I think, I think sometimes we just have this disconnect, like, as, as believers and as the Christian bubble, you know, and this is, this is generalizing, but I think sometimes we're like, okay, like pro baby in the womb and then the baby is born and then we have, then we kind of wash our hands of it. Mm -hmm. And I know that there are so many organizations and so many churches and so many people who are just loving and loving their neighbor. But, you know, like I think about, so I'm thinking about in my realm, disability, So Mm -hmm. a child with a disability, you know, we advocate for that child, like that, that child bears the image of God. Then the baby is born and becomes a child and an adult with a disability. And if we're not opening our arms to people that have different needs, then that's not pro-life at all. That was before the baby was born. And that's, Mm -hmm. That's just, that is a very important part, but it's not the whole picture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Well, there's so much that we could talk about, and I feel like we've only scratched the surface, and that's something I feel like we say all the time, but we do have another episode coming up that is going to be kind of a special episode. Lindsay, do you want to share a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So we have a friend, Amber, that we're going to be interviewing, and Amber has actually experienced an abortion herself and so sort of lived through what that entails and then seeing God redeem that story in her life. And now she's using that to encourage other women and to kind of broaden all of our perspectives when we think about the type of woman who has an abortion or the reasons why she may have an abortion. So story is really, really important. And so we're going to be interviewing her and letting her share her story with all of us. Mm-hmm. I think it's Yay. going to be really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for sharing your perspectives. I'm really grateful to have had this conversation. And thank you guys for listening to this episode of Upside Down. We are humbled to wade through these murky waters with you. And we hope and pray that our conversation will be life giving as you continue to work through these thoughts. And I want to give a shout out. If you want a space to process in, we are loving our new private Facebook group. So if you want to join us, just search Upside Down Tribe and one of us will let you in. And as always, you can find us online at UpsideDownPodcast.com and on Instagram as Upside Down Podcast. Until next time, grace and peace from all of us at Upside Down.